morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Um, it's good to see you all. I, on my way to church, I went and bought a dozen eggs from the grocery store. And that's for part of the message, but it reminded me of the last time I went to a gas station to buy eggs when I was a teenager, and my intentions were not nearly so pure as they are today. It's actually one of the events of my teenagehood that I think most convinced me that I'm an evil, evil person, what I did with those eggs after I bought them. Terrible. Teens, don't go egging even if your older brother is the one taking you. Don't do it. It's just wrong. It's just horribly, horribly wrong. If you want to turn um, with me to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to finish off chapter 27 and the beginning of chapter 28. I have a really simple point to make today, and that is that resurrection power comes through brokenness. Does anybody like power? Am I the only one? here. You like feeling strong, wish you could change things, wish that you could just kick the door down on some government building and take charge and get them to finally do what they should have been doing the whole time. Anybody? Anybody wish you just had way more money so that you could finally buy that thing or renovate that thing or move to that place or get that thing? Anybody want financial power? Somebody does. I love honest people. The rest of you are still welcome to stay. Does anybody just wish you were physically had more power? Nobody? Somebody? A few people? Absolutely. World's Strongest Man competitions. Did anybody watch those things on TV growing up? Guys that could not fit through a fire escape, lifting like boulders of rock over their head. And all of their names were like Magnus. Magnus von Magnusson. I think he was a real guy who was doing really well. But like when you when your parents name you Magnus and your last name is Magnuson, you know you're into bodybuilding for the rest of your life. It's like not even an option. What do you want to do today? I, well, I'm I'm into design. No, no, you're gonna go lift weights. Okay, good job, Magnus. We we um people are drawn to power. There's a sense of ability, a sense of being able to fulfill your desires the sense of being able to get what you want. Sometimes we, we want power because we have this desire to protect ourselves or defend ourselves or to be able to provide ourselves a sense of security that seems aloof or unavailable. The ability to control the future. Would anybody here like the power to control the details of the next week of your life? I don't know if there's a lotto draw happening in the next week, but whenever that week is, would you like to be able to Know the Powerball numbers and compel them to come out just the way your $1 ticket went? Any, some, I know, now I'm treading on territory. Yes, just one person in the back. Thank you very much. Yeah. There is this thing called power, ability, strength. And it is attractive and something we want and something that is kind of always on the horizon as a possibility or something we might be afraid of losing. And you know what? God is the God of power. And he actually, he does want power to be working in our lives. But it's a specific kind of power called resurrection power. And it's a kind of power that walks the road from death to life. And not just from 
life to life to life to life to life to life to life. But the road of fleshly life through the grave and back to a new and stronger life in the Lord. But it treads that road. And so I want to read just the end of the Gospels here. We were worshiping Jesus this morning. Someone who's alive, he wasn't always. And this is the story of when he came back from the dead to live a life of resurrection power for the last 2,000 years. And one more thing before I go. Did you know that Jesus is the oldest man alive? 2,000 years old. Happy resurrection birthday, Jesus. 2,000 years old today, still looking the same as he ever did when he came out of the grave, except maybe shining a little bit brighter. Let's start with the day before Resurrection Sunday. This is where the people put the guard in front of the tomb and seal it. The next day, that is the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that how that imposter, meaning Jesus, said he was, while he was still alive, said, After three days I will arise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he is risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make as secure as you can. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing it with a stone and setting a guard. So they put some kind of apparatus on there to make sure that this big stone in front of Jesus' tomb. So Jesus was put inside of a cave and they rolled this big wagon wheel of a stone in front of it. And in order to keep the body from coming out, they put a stone in front of it and then they sealed it probably with wax and some kind of seals to just be able to say, hey, as long as if, if this wax is disturbed, then you know it's been tampered with and we'll catch them out in a lie. Chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord appeared from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, for he has risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. <clears throat> and amen. These are the very words of God. And I would just like to confirm, I believe all the stuff I just read, from the earthquake to the empty tomb to the angels and the clothes like lightning, fact check true. The reason I read that story is because in God's wisdom, the morning that Jesus came back from the dead, he, even physically and even in the earth, brought him back through breaking things. When the angel came to roll back the stone, it wasn't just this quiet little grindy grind, grindy grind. God actually broke the crust of the earth with an earthquake while he was breaking the seals of the government's authority to make sure that that body stayed where it was supposed to. And that's how the Son of God came out of the tomb through breaking. Resurrection power came through breaking, even in that moment. 
brokenness released the resurrection power of God. Even when Jesus came back from the dead, God brought him back into the world by breaking the world with an earthquake. That's what an earthquake is. It's the crust of the earth grinding against each other and fracturing and stone cracking and breaking. So he broke the earth and he broke the seal and Jesus came out of the grave, no longer just a merely God-man life, but a God-man alive with resurrection power life. So even in the first morning of Jesus' resurrection life, it came through brokenness. Amen? And then later on, as Jesus was going to be revealing himself to his disciples, and he went to Doubting Thomas, and I probably got the wrong name. My brother's name is Thomas. I should have been Thomas because I'm a bit of a doubter in my Christian walk. But when he came to Doubting Thomas, he even says to him, I know you don't believe I'm back from the dead, but look at these scars. He points to the spear wound. He points to his scarred hands. He says, believe. Even the resurrection body of Jesus carries the brokenness of his crucifixion. So I just I want to say to us again this morning, Christians, we celebrate an all-powerful God who shares his power through the process of death and resurrection. He's the God of resurrection power, not just money power, not just electrical power. He's the God of resurrection power, and he takes us through a process of going down in order to go up. Now, you're wondering about the eggs, and you know that I'm not entirely trustworthy as a public speaker because sometimes I take all these cool gadgets up on the stage and then I forget about them. And part of that's a good thing because I try to come with a bit more ammunition than, than 35 minutes will let me so that you don't get stuck with a 25-minute sermon and then me standing up here for 10 minutes going. So, um, how about them bears? And it's boring. But sometimes I forget. So today I'm not going to forget about the eggs. Um, I... I'm not totally sure why eggs became like the item mascot of Easter. You know what I'm talking about? What, what shape does chocolate come in? You can always tell what a culture thinks by what they do with chocolate around their special occasions. If it's a chocolate Santa, he's the big deal. Chocolate eggs, so like why eggs? And I know there's some history buffs who will talk about Ishtar and other things like that, but it still is weird. And, and as a, as a, Somebody who thinks sometimes, I look for facts that just remind me that our culture is just weird. Like it's weird that Easter Sunday is about bunnies that lay eggs. That's weird. And that any culture would go along with this for lifetimes. Like your entire lifetime. Bunnies that lay eggs. Why do we put up with this? That's so weird. You know, somebody should just be like, I thought we were science people. And just be like, ditch the eggs, laying rabbits. But then people would be like, so will there be less chocolate? And then maybe, okay, no, 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 don't do this. Whatever it takes to get the free chocolate, the never-ending chocolate, the grandma supply chocolate, whatever it takes for the chocolate, I will believe in that. Whatever. Isn't it weird, though? Anybody? Somebody? Just nod your head. It's, it's weird. However, in the wisdom of God, eggs are actually a great example of the necessity of brokenness. Because you can do a lot with an egg, but it's completely useless unless it breaks. 
Oh, that grip right there. <laughs> Are any of the cleaning people here this morning? <laughs> you can do a lot with an egg, but unless it breaks, it's not going to fulfill its purpose. It's not going to be useful. It's not going to do anything besides rot and eventually stink. It's a good illustration of resurrection power. And I'm not even just talking about like the goodness of baking. I'm not even just talking about cracking one of these things into a big bowl of flour and sugar and making something worth eating. You know what I'm talking about? Even if there were a living chicken here, if it doesn't break out, it dies. In order for every chicken to live, it needs to break its shell. Every chicken's life is a resurrection life. Something needs to break in order for it to live. Life comes through brokenness. So, do we like being broken? Are we excited about resurrection power? My experience is that personally, I'm not too super excited about it, and neither are most of us. Amen? This is one of the hardest lessons to learn as Christians, and I think it's one of the great stumbling blocks for people's life, is to learn that God's plan is for there to be breaking. Ugh, can't even break it. There we go. In order to get out the gold. Can you see it? That yolk is so good, I could probably convince Matt to eat it. You know, he's such a Rocky fan, I'd just be like, hey man, put three of these things in a blender. You owe us. Come on, where is he? He's probably hiding out right now. Oh, he's in the back row somewhere, anywhere. I'm going to try not to splash any of this on the keys, but... It came out through breaking. Did you see that? What is going to be required of your life for you to fulfill God's purpose for you as a Christian? You're going to need to be broken. One of the verses I hate to read in Colossians, and I notice it every time, and I dislike that it's there. Colossians, I think it's the end of chapter 1, maybe verse 2. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings, and I fill up in my flesh for your sake what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Now I rejoice in my sufferings, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for your sake. And I dislike that, because it's a weird theology. You know, we were just up here, and someone was rightfully saying that the work of Christ is finished on the cross, and it's done. And amen. And you can't add anything to it. And at the same time, the Apostle Paul, in prison when he's writing the book of Colossians, suffering in prison, it's not a good experience. There's no prison's rights lawyers out there saying, you can't treat prisoners like that. It's like, how you get treated is how you get treated. And though he's a Roman, so he he's exclusively has a few extra rights. Like They just can't like torture him for nothing. But they don't owe him anything in prison. And so he's in there suffering, and he's saying, I am so grateful for I'm, that I get to suffer for you guys as Christians because I'm helping fill up the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the church. And it's weird 
to hear that. That in order for Paul to be useful to Christians, he's convinced that he needs this to happen to him. That he needs to hurt with Jesus. That he needs the pain of prison and being broken and being held against his will and having people hate his guts. That that's the cost for him being useful to the Christians in Colossae. That's weird. And I think what's going on here is that, like I've been trying to say, I think for the last seven messages or so, is that Jesus' life in us by the Holy Spirit comes out through suffering. It only really comes out in the midst of trial and pain. It only really comes out in a beautiful, transformative way when we're tasting the death of Jesus at the same time as we're showing the life of Jesus. And that's what he says. And he's found the trick. He's in prison and he's going, oh, thank goodness I'm suffering with Jesus again because this means what I'm doing for the church counts. It's going to have an effect. It's going to change lives. It's really going to matter. And I'm sure he didn't really realize at the moment that he was writing a book of scripture. I'm going to try not to get this on the carpet. We still have that scrub stuff, right, Agatha? Yeah, good. But about half of his letters come from prison. About a quarter of the New Testament comes from a guy being jailed wrongfully again. That's weird. And I know if you're anything like me, you might want the power of Christ and the transformation of Christ without walking the cross soaked Calvary Road of the sufferings of Jesus. I know I do. I know I don't like loss. I know I don't like pain. I know I don't like suffering. I know I don't like waiting. I know I don't like hurt. I know I don't like conflict. But all of those dislikes have a bit of a taste of Jesus, keep the yoke in the egg, please. This is a lot more messy than I thought it was going to be. You're welcome. Lisa, thank you. Wonderful. All right. Should we just run through this real quick? I've got lots of time. Do you really want to thrive during the COVID craziness? Feel free to be joyfully getting through the power of governments being broken. One of the things that was happening at the death of Jesus is that all the power of the world in fleshly terms, in human terms, has unite, had united against Jesus. It really was the big conspiracy. If you've ever been worried that there's a big conspiracy happening in the world, anybody worried about a big conspiracy going on? Somebody, and come, come on, guys. Nobody's worried. Okay, good. You'll be home at Calvary. But some people are worried. I have good news for you. There is. There totally is. Of course there is. 
We're in a world full of people who don't want to submit to God, and what they do is they band together in order to shore themselves up in one way or another in order to not have to submit to God. Of course there's conspiracies afoot. The thing that I think is, is true, though, is that most conspiracies are absolutely terrible at hiding it, the ones that you can see most of them in action. Like, oh, yeah, look at them trying to pull that stuff. Oh, okay, Major League Baseball's toast now. Yeah, 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 it's all a part of the program. I'm not worried about hidden conspiracies. They're, they are just so incompetent that they can't hide it to save their lives. However, in the cross of Jesus, the government power of Rome had united together with the woke power of the priesthood, had united together with the religious power of the Pharisees, and they'd all banded together in order to put a stop to Jesus Christ. And even when we were reading about them sealing the tomb, that was the Pharisees and the chief priests. Chief priests are like the unbelieving religious people who are mostly just secular power-hungry people. And Rome, as like the government that wants to control and uh, be in charge of everything, they had united together against Jesus, and they'd even united together to keep him in the tomb. And by breaking Jesus, what did they do? they released his ultimate power. By killing Jesus, they gave him the opportunity to come back resurrected. Hello? Do you see that? Okay? By imprisoning him and doing the false trials and uniting against him and having secret conspiracies against him, they broke him so that his ultimate yellow-haired Super Saiyan form could come out. The one who now walks through walls. Go ahead. Try to put him in prison. He can walk through walls. He walks through walls, guys. He totally walks through walls. So that he could raise from the dead and come out of the tomb and go to heaven and send out the Holy Spirit. Okay, how many masks can they make you wear before you don't have the Holy Spirit anymore? How many? Yeah, thank you. We haven't found out yet. Okay? I don't like the masks. For me, it's not so much about a religious thing. It's just the government saying, we can't stop it, so wear a mask while you're singing. When the laws get so nitpicky that it's like that, it's kind of like, you're not in control of this, are you? Why don't they just make a law saying, don't get sick? Don't breathe out loud. And yes, I'm conforming, and I'm not nitpicking, and I'm not saying you should buy a bunch of guns and try to start your own country, but I think everybody should, is having an opportunity right now to realize that the government is not a great savior. And it isn't actually their fault if we try to get them to be our saviors. All they can do is tax us and send the police after us. That's all they can do. And they've been doing it. Spending like crazy, <laughs> sending the police out about singing. But that's all they can do. Why would we expect anything more from them? Our hope is in the broken yokes. Our hope is in a resurrected power. Our hope is that with things going so bad, this must be a wonderful setup for the resurrection power of God. And the question for us is, will we avail ourselves of this power? 
Will we come to Jesus with hope in our brokenness, hope in our fallenness, hope in the sins that we've been sinning because things have been so crazy and coming to him and saying, I'm a waste, I'm a loser, I feel like I'm having time travel the last week, and come to him and saying, I'm putting all my hope in the one who raises the dead because I'm dead. I'm dead without you. I'm dead in hopelessness, dead in fear, dead in anxiety, dead in depression. Come and save me, Jesus, and I will be happy with whatever you do. That is availing yourself of resurrection power, not human power. And that's what Jesus does. Resurrection power is what comes through the brokenness and after the hurting and during the trial. Resurrection power is when God writes your life in such a way that you've lost hope in yourself, but now He shows up and gives you a real hope in a God that can't be stopped even by death. Amen? I got three more yokes. Resurrection power is ultimately unleashed by human beings who come to Jesus wanting to be supremely humble. Like the master who submitted himself to such shame. Oh, guys, we have no idea how shameful it was how Jesus died. If somebody tied you up by your heels and tied the rope to the hitch of a truck and stripped you naked and dragged you up and down Main Street, buck naked till you died. That would be a good beginning to how humiliating and shameful and pathetic it was that Jesus died on the cross. And the th- one of the things I find so tough about it is to try to join Jesus in his humility that he would say yes to that. I, I want to protect myself from humbling situations. Because of my pride. But, but pride, what, what is it? It's about keeping the shell intact. I don't want people to see my cracks. I don't want to have cracks. And if I do have cracks, I want to turn the egg. Don't look at the cracks. Look at these cool, cool shell numbers. One, three, four, one, five. Does anybody know what that means? No? See, even the eggs have a barcode. Nowadays, you guys are worried about the vaccine. Guys, the eggs have a barcode. <laughs> the eggs. It's not even a bit. These things were 10 cents and it's tracked. But as long as I want to keep my egg shell looking good to me or to others, what stays inside? The resurrection power of Jesus stays inside. Guys, I get so afraid sometimes. Guys, I can't sleep sometimes. Guys, I don't know what's going to happen. Guys, I have weird parts of my body that don't appear to be functioning normally and may never function normal again. Guys, I can get so broken. Guys, I... I don't understand everything. Guys, I experienced such weakness in trying to... This has been the craziest time to try to be a pastor. Somebody told me one time recently that this, it's the Barna group that um, surveys pastors on how things are going. And it, one of the ones they put out in either late last year or early this year that about 70% of pastors <laughs> were looking for a new job or thinking about it. I'm just like, only 70 
It's been so crazy. You can want to hide it. Strength comes by hiding. Look at our beautiful shells. Ministry as showing off our beautiful shells. No, 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 no. The resurrection power is on the inside. It comes out through brokenness. I know lots of people have been having trials in their marriages and family life. So have I. It's, it's been really good, but it can be really hard. Sometimes we can think having a great marriage happens when two really great people are really great together. And if you know at least one of those really great people, I'd like to meet them. My experience is that we're a church full of sinners. And so what do two sinners do when they are in a marriage covenant together? You find out a lot about yourself, number one. Amen? And, and if you haven't from your marriage, once a few kids come along, then you really find out what you're really like. And what happens when you're running on two hours of sleep and they're wailing again? Anybody? Oh, man, kids are the best. They're the cutest little sin missile that hone right onto your selfishness and explode out of your mouth in the middle of the night. So how do you do a Christian marriage? I'm finding it's by being more and more honest about my sin and brokenness with my wife and expecting less and less for her to be my savior because she's just a sinner too. This, this is how you get the resurrection power of God in your marriage. You say, we're so broken. Please come, Jesus. Please come with your real power. Please be my Savior. Please be her Savior. Please, please help me to not expect them to be my Savior. And come and give your resurrection life. I'm glad I've got this cloth. It's totally saved my shirt. The last egg I have, and this is, this is maybe the most important one because of this. You know what? Whether you believe me or not, whether or not you, you, you come and you look at Jesus raised from the dead, and remember, that guy was hanging on a cross at one time. He must have gone from death to life. That must be the way. Whether or not you believe me or not, the truth is you are still going to have weakness, pain, bouts of guilt, times of shame, times where you fail people, times where you fail yourself. These are still going to be experiences of your life. Amen? And, and I think this is the young people moment. Young people, if I could do one thing to help you, I would want to help you to know that feeling alone and feeling rejected 
and feeling like you might be abandoned and feeling like there's something kind of not working on the inside of you is, is normal. It's a normal human experience to feel like you're broken. It's normal. And you don't need to turn to drugs and you don't need to turn to recreating your identity. You don't need to turn to that stuff because we're all like that. We're all like that. And the teenage years and the post-teenage years are incredibly difficult. And this may be the time in human history most hard on young people because the old people have messed things up so badly when it comes to knowing what it means to be human and knowing what it means to be alive and knowing what it means to have peace in your heart and all this stuff. We, we, the adults have spent so long deconstructing everything that you're growing up in a cultural wasteland and all we have to offer you is endless YouTube videos. And that is a very poor substitute for, for having a, a working worldview. But I want to talk to you and I just want to give you hope that, that in the midst of the hardships that are here and are coming... It's normal. And our hope is in Jesus. There's so much hope for you in Jesus. Jesus loves young people. He loves teenagers. Jesus doesn't think you have to to be old enough to smoke in order to be old enough to be full of the holy smoke. You know what I mean? He doesn't think you need to be old enough to buy wine in order to be filled up with his new wine. He doesn't put a time frame on when you're old enough to relate to him and to find hope in him and have your heart touched by him and to be healed in the midst of brokenness with him and to find that he's not a God that rejects people who come to him. He'll come to you when you're 10, when you're 8, and when you're six and when you're 13 when you're 15 when you're 17 i'm hitting all the odd numbers right now because i'm trying to talk to the odd people you know what i mean like there you're never too young to learn that brokenness is an opportunity for the resurrection power of god to touch your life and to find out that jesus really loves you and to find out that just because you feel strange doesn't mean that god is looking at you strange and that you can come to him at any age at any time and say I'm angry, and please help me. And he will help because he rose from the grave to be your helper. And there can be so much pressure on young people to have a perfect life and to have perfect family. And you know, nobody does. And some of them are a greater launch than others. But eventually you'll find out that everything's messed up at some point. And you're going to either move into offense and bitterness and anger and disappointment and despair, or you're going to move into hope that in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my family life, in the midst of my path, in the midst of my setup, in the midst of my disappointment, in the midst of my failure, in the midst of my self-loathing and self-hatred and wishing I could become a different person because I don't like the person I am, in the midst of all of this, I can come to a man who is dead and now lives forever and has all authority for all power and he will love me and he will hold me and he will give me hope and he will give me a future and he will change me at the pace he wants to because at the same time as he's going to change me, he also wants to convince me that I don't need to be changed right now in order to be close to God. And he will come and he will say, you, you bring me your brokenness, I will give you my power. And that's the kind of hope we're talking about. Not a hope because everything's going great today. And not a hope just because you found something that you enjoy 
technologically, but at the hope of a living man who is God, who will never leave you or forsake you and will take all of your pains and make it count for eternity and make, take all of your disappointments and turn it into a treasure. This is the resurrection power of God. But young people, will you please at least consider opening up your heart to God using brokenness as the way. Well, I'm all out of my ammo for this service. And it is right now impossible for me to look at this bowl full of broken eggs and feel, not feel like I'm five minutes away from scrambled eggs. And so I'm actually, I'm feeling it right now. This is just a bunch of eggs in the fridge. This is just about breakfast. And this is what happened. I broke these eggs. Look at all this potential that came out of here. This is like the biggest brownie I've ever made or sweet, sweet, slightly crunchy scrambled eggs. It just required some brokenness. I know my timer hit. I don't feel like I've hit it yet. So guys, why don't we... um, Why don't we have, at least if you can come up, and if you can play a quiet song for a bit, I would love to invite people to come and just start confessing their weaknesses and their hurts and their fears to the Lord. Let's love the fact that Jesus is strong in the midst of weakness by bringing our weakness to him afresh. Everything he brings to mind and anything you can bring to mind, and especially let's go deep. Speaking of going deep, let's go deep into what we dislike about ourselves our regrets, the things that we wish we could change in a minute about ourselves but haven't changed in 10 years or 5 years. Let's, let's start talking to these things to the one who loves us enough to die for us, to buy us with his blood, to want us forever. Jesus has promised that forever is how long he wants to be with us. And this time right now is a wonderful time to be building this relationship of honesty and worship. And let's just break the shell. Whatever that's going to look like for you this morning to break the shell, I want to invite us to do that with the Lord Jesus and him be glorified. Amen.